0: One, two, three, four. Hello and welcome to It Starts With Beer. I'm your host, Will Sis, and in this episode, we learn about life inside the liquor store. Or as we say here in New England, the package store. From employees at Bottle Stop in Torrington, Connecticut. This episode is brought to you by Back East Brewing in Bloomfield, Connecticut. Their recent taproom expansion with indoor and outdoor seating makes Back East the perfect place to enjoy excellent beers like Ice Cream Man IPA, Recautra IPA, their award-winning Porter, or any of the other delicious beers in their ever-changing lineup. Go to backeastbrewing.com for more information. Garish Patel is the director of operations at Bottle Stop and Kevin Thomas is his beer buyer and I met up with them at the Torrington Bottle Stop. There are other bottle stops in Avon and Newtown and uh, at the uh, Torrington Bottle Stop they sell beer from about 30 to 40 Connecticut breweries at any given time. Um, we'll hear first from Garish, who was, uh, setting up a little tasting for us. Let's listen in. So what we're doing here is, uh, setting up a little tasting here at the bottle stop. Now, do you have have formal tastings with, uh, with beer? I know that you you do with wine, but is beer a regular thing here?
1: Yeah, so, uh, beer is definitely a regular thing here. I mean, we, um... You know, let's talk about this in the sense of pre-COVID or sans-COVID, without question. You know, for us, it's all about education, and with with beer, wine, spirits, uh, but particularly beer, with how fast it's moving, the best way to educate a consumer is to have them taste something.
0: Sure. So let's 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 uh, get an idea of what someone who is kind of into beer or really into beer. What are the kind of questions that you invite? that you said okay that's good you're getting the most out of your visit here what kind of what's a good question to ask
1: people are on their own journey and i feel like you know i think the question that is 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 the honest one is the is the one to ask right like if you don't know what a goza is or if you've been pronouncing it incorrectly no one here is going to pass any judgment on you just come out with it because i feel like you know almost like when you uh you know want to start a diet plan or working out or you know eating better when you want to start drinking better it's so easy to not drink better that you just fall into the same rut of the same routine that when you do want to start drinking better you don't want to have anybody askew your perspective and or your uh, thoughts, no matter how early they might be in your experience, and so you want to go to a place that any question that you can ask is a welcome one. I think that's the right answer to that question. Yeah, yeah, definitely for sure.
0: What are the kind of questions that you do get, and what do you what are you constantly answering when it comes to beer? Uh,
2: usually, it's what do you have for IPAs. Uh, a lot of local stuff is really popular right now, um, and in the warmer weather, what do you have for Fruited sours, or something that's really refreshing in the hot weather.
0: So they're kind of coming in with a taste profile that they prefer, and they want to find something within that range. Do you try to accommodate that, or do you try to push them outside of that uh, of that range? What what what's your perspective on on guiding them to beer? Uh,
2: well, it's a little bit of both. So sometimes I try to guide them to something that they're a little more familiar with, or um, in that same taste range that they're familiar with. And then, you know, I may also ask them, you know, are you willing to try something a little bit different? Maybe very similar to what they're drinking, but just a little bit off, um, like an IPA with actual fu- fruit puree in it or um, an, a sour IPA, for instance. If they're into sours, you know, maybe you want to try a sour IPA. That might be something up your alley.
0: So so it's kind of going sideways. would be What do you have uh, set up for us right here?
2: Yeah. So, you know, in in
1: knowing that you were coming to visit us, we thought to ourselves, uh, you know, we obviously want to talk about what we think is is trending right now, uh, specifically with COVID. So I was talking about, you know, prior to COVID, what it was like in the stores being able to come in and, and, and taste and experience. But right now, because of COVID, I'm seeing that there's an explosion of products that were not available to us in the retail channel prior um, to the pandemic that are now coming to light. Um, and that's because, you know, breweries have to get clever and, and, and kind of reinvent the way they get to market and the way they have their revenue streams flowing. And so, you know, they've, a lot of them, if not all of them, have opened up to being either a direct wholesale to, to stores like ours. Uh, or they're aligning themselves with wholesalers that can get their product to market. And so I think it's smart, obviously, but you know, what, I, what we're also seeing is, is that the, the breweries that were you know, kind of leading trend with new styles or, or hybrid styles of beer, those products that you wouldn't otherwise see on the floor or on our shelves are, are now available. And I think it's fun. It's, a, it's, an, it's an interesting time. Despite COVID, I think it's become a better opportunity to buy in a beer store.
0: Yeah, I understand that. I when I think about um, the, you know going into a brewery, even going outside and sitting outside a brewery, there's just a lot of people who are hesitant about it. So they're feeling more comfortable in their homes and they're excited to to try this stuff. It's like bringing the brewery home to them. I didn't realize that the um, the turnaround could be as quick as it is. Like like let's say I have a, I'm a brewery. I think we mentioned one um, where um, you don't normally see them in any package stores. Maybe they. Uh, only sell their beer right from their own brewery in cans. Was it really easy for them to just turn that around and get it into uh, stores? Um, was, was that process sped up, or was that uh, was that always available to them?
1: You know, I think that's a good brewery question. Um, I think it depends on the house, right? So some breweries were already positioned to get a certain number of their portfolio or a certain number of SKUs within their portfolio to market while holding back, um, obviously, a, a smaller amount of SKUs that were more experimental or smaller batch. But now because it's it's their primary revenue stream, I think they're putting out product uh, into distribution that they would never wise otherwise intended for distribution and you know that goes in the direction of of kind of some of the things that we have here today we've got some beer from alvarium and some beer from firefly hollow and these are two i think really good trending breweries that are are showing some some you know tremendous ingenuity in terms of what they're brewing they're they're covering so many different ends of the spectrum and uh, i think that's that's awesome for connecticut beer fans
0: absolutely so alvarium is a brewery out of new britain they are really known i think in the brewery themselves for a lot of experimental IPAs, a lot of that uh, New England IPA style, but they are certainly not one-trick ponies. What what do you have for us today from Alvarium?
1: So, you know, we were talking about trends. Kevin, um, obviously beer buyer, Um, you know, we we talk about trends and what's working right now across all of our stores. Um, I think what, you know, especially the summer has brought to us is a return to a lot of classics, and it's a trend that I feel like was probably more started by Jack's Abbey, the appreciation of the All-American lager, uh, or even at this point, the Mexican California style lager, uh, just a really easy drinking style. But I think that that was kind of the gateway. And I think there's a renewed interest in, in beers such as Hefeweizen's. And so this is Kraftwerk, uh, Connecticut grown Hefeweizen from Alvarium. And it's a style of beer that, you know, when you think about it, it's perfect on a hot day. Uh, it does have lots of good wheat flavor to it. I'm gonna pour some here. It's not necessarily hazy like a lot of ipas are but it's meant to have some of that residual uh, leftover uh, um, uh, wheat if you will and a little bit of that cloudy character but it's meant to to be very refreshing very easy to drink beer you know drinking a six and a half percent ipa is fun but you can't necessarily drink a ton of those on the boat or at the beach uh, this in my opinion is a is a beer that you can you know, put down a number of cans when you're doing any of those things, playing golf in the backyard, sitting in front of a hot grill, barbecue, and this is one of those beers that you could just keep moving at uh, all day long, and, and you're going to have fun drinking it, and you're going to feel refreshed after every sip.
0: Yeah, at 4.8 percent, certainly uh, drinkable uh, in larger quantities, craft, craft work. So, you know, I've never had this one, and this is the kind of thing where, you know, I didn't really know about this one. Uh, certainly haven't, you know, thought about Hefeweizens for a while, and it's very cool that that they're uh, making this and putting this out. Are, are you getting a lot of food pairing questions? I mean, certainly, you know, summertime, uh, people are grilling. Are they saying, um, you know, I, I'm I'm having this uh, on the barbecue. What what do you what do you recommend for the beer?
2: Uh, yeah, so if you're doing something, uh, you you kind of want to pair what you're gonna drink with what you're making. So depending on what you're grilling, um, if you're grilling something that has more smoky, bold, robust tones, you wanna have a bolder beer with it. Otherwise it's just gonna get lost in the food. So with something like the Half of Hefeweizen, I would say like some sort of like a salad or like a light fruit or something like that going along with it, it's got a nice sweet wheat to the nose, um, it follows through really nice and it wouldn't get lost in something light like that. Uh, I do get a lot of people asking with um, spicy foods, um, IPAs. The IPA is sharp enough to help cut through that spicy food, and it actually helps quell some of that burn on your palate as you're drinking it. So that's one of my go-tos.
0: It's about matching, you know, and and I think that you almost have to be a bit of a private investigator. You know, when when they come in and they have a request, you have to make sure you know exactly. (laughs) you got to dig a little bit, get, get in their business a little bit. Tell me a little bit about Connecticut beer, and it looks like your section, um, at least your section that's non-refrigerated seems to have expanded. Um, Tell me a little bit about some of the breweries that you're seeing now that um, are really getting a lot of um, popularity, that's really getting some traction with, with your customers.
2: Yeah, so um, the Alvarium that we're drinking right now has become wildly popular. Um, as you were saying before, they do a lot of uh, New England style IPAs, Fresh being one of their flagship beers. Uh, we sell tons of that in the store right now. Um, they also do another one called Honey Shot, which is a nice wildflower um, New England style IPA. It's a double, again, really refreshing, a little bit on the sweeter side. So. We're seeing a lot of stuff coming in from Alvarium and flipping over really quick. Um, We've recently, um, since COVID started, we started getting in Brassworks Brewing. Um, They've been doing not just IPAs. They do have an IPA lineup, but they also have uh, a blonde ale that's very popular and a blood orange farmhouse ale that we've been flying through in the heat.
0: Wonderful. Wonderful. When um, um, you've been uh, looking at these new breweries that are bringing things in, uh, this is a basic question. How do you know what to price them? Because when I see some beers, like 16 ounce, they're both IPAs, one's a dollar more, one's a dollar less. How do you decide on uh, what to price the beer? Is that your decision?
1: Uh, so, you know, for us, we're obviously a, a, a retail business with, um, you know, many overheads. Um, a lot of them are fixed, some of them are variable. So for us, we look at it like we want to clear you know, a very specific margin. Uh, we try to keep that margin very humble, aggressively priced where we know customers can come into our stores, um, you know, see a selection, know that we're going to have uh, a comprehensive stock, but at the same time priced aggressively, keeping a good amount of it cold, a lot of it warm as well. A store like ours, people want to be able to grab both. Um, and just knowing that they have options when they come here and the, the, the beer is priced well, you know, it's it's that's what we strive for, but it's really going to be based off of what it comes to us in terms of cost. So really the the answer to your question is, how does a brewery price it to us? That's exactly how we price it to the consumer. We take a pretty standard and, you know, straightforward markup every single time.
0: Tell me a little bit about the kind of customers that you've been getting in um, since COVID and pre-COVID, because that's kind of what we're talking about here. Um, Were you, are are you seeing the same? Uh, Are you seeing mostly men? Uh, What's the, what's, what kind of general demographic uh, are you looking at? when it comes to um, uh, your customers?
2: Uh, Well, so we've seen quite an influx in people coming in um, just because of the fact that breweries are, they weren't offering anything at first, they had to work out their whole curbside delivery service and all those things. So a lot of people, excuse me, started coming in here. Again, they started selling more beers to us or a lot of them opened up to a retail market. So that also helped out Uh, as far as men and women go uh, it's a pretty fair mix i would say in between them Um, there's still quite a bit of a following for uh, ipas it's usually a lot of younger guys uh, coming at it uh, especially ones that are moving from a domestic or an import style beer that are just trying to move into that craft market they usually tend to gravitate towards that new england style because it's really fruity really juicy not a lot of bitterness um, and then, on the other hand, you get a lot of women coming in here um, requesting a lot of the sour beers and the Goza-style beers.
0: What, ha- what kind of impact have you seen uh, hard seltzers having on the beer market? Um, do you think that it's taking from the beer market? Is it a complement to the beer market? Um, where do hard seltzers fall uh, in that, uh, within that spectrum?
2: Uh, I don't necessarily see them really taking away from the beer market. I feel like there's always been a market for the hard seltzers, and those people are still going at it. The people that were still buying craft beer are still buying craft beer. In the warmer weather, some people do tend to buy the seltzers a little bit more just because they're lower in alcohol and a little bit more refreshing. But the beer, craft beer industry has responded by bringing out Hefeweizens and Lagers and these lighter style beers so that they can be enjoyed in the warmer
1: yeah, I agree. I, I think that, if anything, it widens the the, the base of customers that are, are okay with drinking an alcoholic beverage out of a can, um, to be honest with you. I feel like they're have been a number of people in the demographic of non-beer drinkers that have spilled over into seltzers. And I think it's pulled from a little bit of everywhere, non-beer drinkers, beer drinkers. I think it's certainly brought, um, you know, it's gotten people into the category that you would have never have guessed. But I think also, like Kevin was saying, I mean, in the summer months, you see that it spikes and it gets people into it. But, you know, there have been a lot of preconceived notions, a lot of negative connotations associated to beer in a can still, even though, you know, the, the hardened enthusiast, Definitely recognizes that can technology is far better today than it ever has been, uh, and they're okay with it being in a can. There still is that misnomer out there that if it comes in a can, it can't be good. But that, like I said, I think with the advent of hard seltzers and you're seeing more cocktails come in cans, I think people are a little more uh, willing and accepting of a beverage, an alcoholic beverage, of quality to come in a can.
2: I'm actually seeing um, a lot of the craft breweries themselves are releasing their own hard seltzers that we're able to get in the stores like uh, Stony Creek has released Fizzbang, Bang. Uh, Black Hog has Hum that they're doing. Um, those are becoming readily available to us as well. They're trying to jump on that. Bandwagon that Truly and White Claw have been dominating for so long, and they bring with them that smaller craft ideal. And a lot of people, if they drink Stony Creek, they're going to drink that usually over the Truly, just because they know that brand and they want to they want to stick with that brand. They identify with it. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's definitely a good point.
0: When you're um, uh, trying to come up with a mix of the kind of beers that you have, you're probably getting. Breweries that come in and are trying to sell their beers to you and and try to give them give you a pitch as to which ones to take. What is that process like? What kind of questions do you want answered from them? What are do they looking for from you? What's that relationship like between you and let's say a craft brewery that wants to get their product on your shelves?
2: So if it's a whether it's a new brewery coming in or a brewery with new products coming into the store, uh, a lot of the time they usually have a sample with them and if it's especially if it's something new and based off of that uh, we chill it uh, we open it up usually at the end of a shift and we get a bunch of our employees here to try it and i just try to figure out like okay what did you like about it what did you, what did you not like about it because you know i'm only one palate, and there's hundreds of people coming into the store looking for different things something i may like they may not like at all so if i can get a bunch of input from other people Um, I can go off of that. I also go off um, the merit of the brewery themselves. Um, I do a lot of investigation online uh, with Untapped, Beer Advocate, places like that. See what the brewery itself is rated, what the beers are being rated at. And within our other stores, if it's not something we've carried at the Torrington location, I'll try to link up with the other beer managers and see how well it's selling there. Is it something that's actually moving or is it something that's just kind of sitting on the shelf and it's more of a hand sell?
0: and then can you communicate that back to a brewery so for example say i'm a new brewery or maybe one that's been around for about a year and my stuff is not selling well Um, it's just been sitting there do you think that there's room for communication back to the brewery about um, either how they market the beer or how they make the beer from you
1: i really think that that's up to the brewery a lot of um, you know i look at a lot of breweries um, as being early in their evolution, right? So it's either they're sticking to a game plan and they're gonna you're gonna ride that, and you know they want feedback, but ultimately there's very little they can do to adjust, or they're gonna be super nimble, super agile, uh, and they're gonna totally understand that they need to shift to the marketplace. And so you know there's been a number of breweries, I won't say any one or or, or single any specific Connecticut brewery that you know had seen initial success and then all of a sudden you know after 12 months out of being in the marketplace and having that initial pop they start to fall flat if not completely fall apart in terms of sales at least in in our venue right maybe direct to consumer is strong but the retail channel or the on-premise at bars is weak. um you know i think it really depends on on the brewery if they've got a good team they already know what's trending and they probably know what's trending better than us because let's face it if you're running a brewery you especially a craft brewery a microbrewery you should be focused on your trade. And I'm sure you're paying attention to what a lot of other breweries are doing. And and you should be trying to figure out what consumers want. And ultimately, it's not about just you as the brewery. Because like Kevin was saying, it's not just about him as as being a buyer for this store. It's not about Kevin's opinion. It's about recognizing we need to rise to the market and what people are looking for and being able to service our customer the best. And then within that, being able to move people in a direction that's 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 more natural to their journey in, in craft beer. And if their journey overlaps with ours, then we can interject our own, you know, personal opinions on things. Otherwise, you know, if someone's coming in and they're really digging, you know, sour beer, but you know, you're not a, a big fan of sour beer. I mean, what's that conversation gonna look like? It doesn't mean that they're wrong or you're wrong, it's just that you guys are on two different journeys.
0: I like that. Yeah, it is it is kinda like a journey. And and the longer you're on it, the more you realize there are lots of roads that can take you to a lot of cool places. For a lot, of brew, uh, a lot of new drinkers, say you're 22, 23, a lot of them, all they think about it when it comes to craft beer is New England IPA. How big of a trend do you think New England IPAs will continue to be? At what point do you think that they'll just transcend being a trend and be, a, be a, that'll be a, like a permanent style? And then where are you hearing rustlings about new styles that might be you know, sneaking up behind that one?
2: Uh, so as far as the New England IPA goes, I mean, that is pretty much a style of beer now. I don't think that's ever going to go away. I think um, it may die down, uh, but I, I think it's going to be here for a long time. Um, even so to the point where I was down in Austin, Texas a couple of years ago, and they have uh, they have uh, the West Coast um, style IPAs, and then they have the East Coast style IPA. So they're brewing both different... Uh, spectrums of that IPA that hoppy and bitter that fruity and juicy and that's down uh, you know in Texas so that's nowhere near New England and it's just being across the country everybody's trying to mimic this New England style IPA so I don't think that's ever going to go away um it may slow down a little bit uh but I mean as far as as long as I've been here it's still going pretty strong um there are some other trends like we were talking about loggers and things popping up again um there's a lot of different stouts that are coming about uh, especially when you get into the uh, fall and winter months um, a lot of them try playing with different adjuncts and adding different things into their stouts um, whether it be chilies or whether it be marshmallows or peanut butter or things like that so you know i, I feel like the trend in beer for new england is still going to be there um but it really depends on it, it a lot of it has to do with seasonal too
0: yeah i had a i recently had a A chai uh, stout that I'm now currently trying to figure out how I'm going to drink again (laughs) because I've made baked cookies with it or something like that just didn't it wasn't my it wasn't my palate but I I do see that see a lot of vanilla Uh, you know I see a lot a lot of um, you know different things that you can put in it and uh, and why not you know Um, what about other um, states you mentioned uh, Texas you know you were down there what other states are popping up as being popular Uh, making beer that you're noticing?
2: Uh, Well, relative to our area, uh, Massachusetts for one. Mm -hmm. Massachusetts is huge, um, and I'd say Vermont as well. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of uh, different selection from Massachusetts and Vermont, new things popping up all the time, new breweries popping up all the time, not to say new styles. Um, but they're doing the style in the way that they want to do it. So, uh, you know, they may still have a New England style IPA, but they may be, you know, tweaking the recipe a little bit so it's not just a clone of, you know, like Sip of Sunshine or something like that all the time. They're trying to make it their own. Um, But as far as within the vicinity of Connecticut, I would say that. And then um, a close next one would be New York. You got a lot of stuff from upstate New York. Specifically, starting to uh, filter down and take care.
1: I also agree with Kev. Um, you know, I, it's really all about our neighbors at this point, right? So we know that the Connecticut beer, she- beer scene is very strong. There's a lot of cool breweries. There's a lot of cool spots that, um, you know, have become, you know, the fabric of, of the Connecticut brewery scene at this point. And, you know, really uh, more players will continue to come to the market. But um, as that happens and we look towards, you know, New York, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, um, you know, these other markets that surround us, beer is going to become hyper-regional. Like for us to drink beer that's from, you know, South Carolina or uh, Virginia is going to feel like what drinking Beck's or Bass Ale was 15, 20 years ago. That's going to be imported beer to us here in Connecticut. You know, does that make sense to you?
0: It really does because um, it's not like music where you can download anything that's ever been recorded ever there is this kind of rite of passage to get certain beers so you have to travel to get it and the same with this, the the uh distribution lines um why should we import as as you uh put it uh beer from south carolina when we've got a plethora of beer right here that could be just as good if not better so i totally understand that yeah that, that that's a good way of looking at it What else do we have uh, here to drink? you want to try the other one?
1: So, uh, um, you know, we were talking about a couple of our favorites. Obviously, Alvarium, liking a lot of what they're doing and, you know, return to what I think are classic styles. You know, Kevin touched on that earlier. Um, This Hefeweizen is is definitely a really good example of a a classic German um, beer and and obviously somebody doing it really well here in Connecticut. Um, This beer is their H-plus and is their tart ale brewed with... uh, uh, Mamarensi Cherry concentrate, and so
0: it's from Firefly Hollow out of Bristol, Connecticut.
1: And you know you can't see obviously because this is an audio-focused uh, Tell platform. Tell us, repeat
0: us a word picture here. But
1: this is a gorgeous, like salmon pink hue. It is um, maybe a touch deeper than salmon pink, but it has got that kind of pale. It's not this big beaming bright color. It's a little more pale, but the bubbles are very much like champagne, super fine awesome lacing the aroma on this as soon as you pour it into a glass starts to beam up out of it and of course you're getting lots of those classic cherry flavors cherry medley flavors. i'm
0: sure you know a lot more about wine than i ever will what what kind of wine does this look like to you what style
1: well so to me this does actually look like a a rosé with some extended skin contact um it's still very much a rosé it's not a dark rosé but you know i would definitely equate it to being a rosé style wine um, and, of course, seeing oh, the bubbles wow. in there. It's really good. Yeah.
0: So Delicious. it's tart, you know, and, and that's what they were, they're calling it a tart ale, which I've never – it's an ale. You know, it's tarts. That's kind of like their own style. Um, but, oh, man, this is, I, this is wonderful. H plus, they call it, huh?
1: Yep. So to me, this is like, you know, ultimate quaffing beer. You know, we're talking about foods with uh, – food drinking beer with food. Um, to me I I look at a hot summer day and I think of you know Kevin mentioned salads I think of like you know do we have uh, a a bushel of clams or we have some oysters we can throw off Mm. into a grill Uh, shrimp lobster you know lobster tails and this I mean this is going to be an awesome way to, to, to wash that down also you know, to go a little more on the elevated side of things, if you just had a a cheese board with some charcuterie, I think the tart components here uh, would really do the palate justice in cleansing away a lot of those uh, robust, gamey, smoky, peppery flavors that you get on your palate from having a cheese and charcuterie board. Uh, And I think that, you know, again, with the, the, especially with the the persistence of the fine bubbles in this, I mean, that would definitely do a lot to, to freshen things up on a warm day hanging the, around and having those types of
0: foods the mouth feel on this is is really nice as well it lingers um but it's not so viscous that it doesn't invite you know uh another sip uh this is really cool i'm i'm glad i'm glad i, mean, I, I was very happy with the hefeweizen too but this one just you know i don't drink a lot of things that have cherry in it so sure cherry concentrate
1: and it, yeah this was kevin's pick and i think this goes back to what you were saying earlier about fruited gozes. you know yeah i don't know if this qualifies as a goes um, you know, I think a goza has got to be salted as well. I'm gonna add yeah.
0: salinity in the water. Yeah,
1: for sure. Yeah. This is this is um, you know, it's it's sour obviously because of the lactobacillus, but it, I think it's just enough. This is one of Not those beers. Interestingly
0: so, yeah. Yeah,
1: this is one of those I think uh um, this is one of those beers that manages to get people into sours. You know, mm. you pour this at a party, uh, where if you went you know straight after uh, you know, a hardcore goza style beer, I feel like you're gonna alienate some people. This is the one where. I feel like you're making a lot of friends and you get people that wouldn't otherwise have thought themselves a craft beer drinker. This is the this is the one. This is the gateway.
0: For sure. This
2: is also one of those beers that we were talking about where they this was only available at the brewery until recently. They didn't really distribute their tart ales all that much. It was all about their IPAs, and they had um, a Czech Pilsner and some other stuff, uh, uh, a stout that they they released on a regular. This one was brewery only until just recently, the last couple of months.
0: So yeah, uh, Dana and the guys down there, yeah, get this stuff out, to, get get it out to the world. I mean, we, I definitely love their uh, Toadstool Stout and their Lizard Breath, but uh, yeah, H H plus, that's 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 where it's at for sure. Um, What's uh, you, you kind of must get to talk to a lot of different kind of people, you know different walks of life. Um, what is rewarding about really seeing someone um, make some bold choices about what they're gonna drink, whether it's beer or anything else? What's rewarding about this job?
2: So, As far as I'm concerned, I I just find pleasure in when somebody asks me about something, not only being knowledgeable on that subject and being able to lead them to something that they're looking for, or even helping them find something that they may never have tried before. Um, I like when they come back to me and they tell me, like, that was great. You know, I really appreciate that. And then... I don't necessarily have to be the guy that they can come to. I like to share that with my other employees as well and let them know like, hey, this person likes this style of beer, this style of wine, this style of whiskey. We try to play off each other with that. So. Uh, As far as it's just basically customer service, Um, that's what I like. That's what makes me, uh, feels rewarding to me about this job is is doing customer service, doing it very well and trying to go above and beyond. Maybe give them a little bit more information about the product that they're selecting that they may not have never known. Like uh, maybe a background of the brewery or the winery or the product itself, how it was made, why it was made, why it's out right now
0: and they and they care they care right i mean they're going to listen to you which i think is a wonderful thing i don't you know you're certainly going to have people that say just give me my butt i'm out of here but for people to hang out and to to hear about these that that must be nice when it comes to innovation and and management at a at a at at bottle stop and the other stores is there room for change or is it kind of glacial when it comes to the experience of of shopping in a a package store Um, or is it changing all the time what 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 is it uh, what goes on behind the scenes in terms of setting up changing the experience for the customer uh, and how has that evolved over the your experience
1: well so you know for us it started with you know specifically with craft beer um, it started with just stocking it right like so at that rate you know you have all the things that you feel like are trendy and or merit people's attention and you know you, you have those on the shelf you have them priced right and and ultimately you were going to sell beer and and customers are going to be happy with the fact that you were selling it for a fair price and having it on on hand i think where it's really grown is is that and and we continue to evolve with it is that the very early days i remember priding myself on having had every single beer in the store You know, I go back to when there was 40 labels and I would say, hey, man, I've had every beer here. Talk to me about what you like and I'll point to some of the others. Well, I mean, to say that I've had every beer here now is is without question, never going to happen. Um, And that's only because there are so many new products coming out on a regular basis. So if I was to say what's really changed is that, you know, we've built a culture around conversation. And I think that's what really drives traffic to our stores is that. Our managers, our team members—we're all talking about what we like, what we don't like, what we feel like is, um, you know, moving in, in terms of, of uh, moving the needle in terms of customer interest and, and, and sales. And at the same time, we're we're communicating our own uh, opinions as well as unbiased, um, you know, thoughts on on where the industry is going. And that communication, I think, is what's really key, and that's what's really driving our company forward and continues to make us a destination for people seeking out craft beer. In addition to we you know, we do our best. Obviously, this, this goes without saying. COVID can't open anything, can't have tastings in the store. It's not allowed. But prior to COVID, and after we get done dealing with COVID, hopefully in the very near future, you know, our goal is to say that there's beer open on a regular basis and that we're not just opening up IPAs, even though those styles that kind of drive the market are, are going to be available and open for people to taste. We're always going to try and make it so that way consumers are exposed to a wide array of styles and you know whether it's somebody right down the road or on the other side of the state or even a more you know regionalized brewery out of, of New York or Massachusetts like Kevin was saying letting them know that you know the beer world is is, is really small in terms of you don't have to really leave your backyard to, to drink good beer at the mm-hmm. same time uh, there's great beer um, in many different spots in our region and I think that's what's really cool um, I think I think our ability to, to know it have it on hand, talk about our experiences or customer feedback, and at the same time, when we get back to it, popping the top and pouring it.
0: How long did it take you to get used to people wearing masks in a liquor store?
1: It took a while. I mean, the first, you know, that's definitely not a natural sight, you know what I mean? I felt
0: weird doing doing it the first time. I was like... I'm like planning a heist or something. Yeah.
1: And they ever got up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, and you know, you'd see someone standing in your hallway. That's exactly how it felt when someone came in here wearing a mask. Like you're not supposed to be here. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, Definitely. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure that's yeah. the way they are with the, yeah. the banks as well. You that's right. But uh, well, um, what, would, what do you think? Uh, you've um, how was how has the business side of things changed with uh, with covid and has it already had a correction over the last couple of months
1: you know that's a that's a very interesting question it's changed in a lot of different ways um you know i'll try again keep this a little more focused on beer obviously with the influx of new skus and and breweries trying to get distribution um that's been one thing but how do you communicate it to customers that are wearing a face mask, don't have an opportunity to try it, really are coming in, wanting to shop quickly, and then get out. I think that, you know, for us, uh, it's about being able to know your customer, even behind the mask. Uh, I think it boils down to uh, being very quick and concise, um, not being wishy-washy, being able to say, this is what this is, this is how it should taste, um, this is what I think that you'll enjoy, and and, and being smart like that. Um, You know, other ways that we do it, Uh, to let people know. Obviously, we do, I think, a pretty decent job of putting out social media posts. I think we do a good job of making sure that we're talking about beer in our our email campaigns. Um, You know, the conversation is just constantly happening, and I think that that's what's kept us healthy and strong in the hand-sell scenario in an environment that isn't conducive to hand-selling. The fact that they can access, you know, what's new uh, through multiple modes of communication, and I think that's what's really driven our business. Uh, On top of that, You know, our stores, you know, well, you've been in in at least a few of them at this point. They're pretty good sized stores. We are family owned and operated. So despite the fact that they are large and have really wide aisles, I think consumers feel safe because of that, um, meaning that they're not crowded or cluttered or, you know, feeling like they're tripping over inventory. Uh, The fact that they could shop it safely um, or at a safe distance compared to another consumer. But at the same time that our staff is welcoming, inviting, and is well aware of what their concerns are in a shopping environment because we are family. own company.
0: So like, so you're, you're an expert on your own package store, but what is something, what are like some common mistakes or some common really good things that you're seeing in other package stores?
2: All right. So for other package stores, um, for me, uh, going back to the cleanliness of the store itself, uh, even if they are deep cleaning and they're wiping down high touch surfaces, if I walk down the aisle and there's just stuff stacked all over the place, it's really hard for me to get an idea of what I'm looking at um, things not being priced right or accordingly or it just being confusing to find what the price on that package is I'm looking for. Uh, that's a huge thing for me, as well as um, product that's out of code. Uh, I can't tell you the number of times I've been in some stores and I pick up product and it's out of code. And it's not something that I, as a consumer, want to be drinking at that point.
0: Uh, just to clarify, that means like y- you- you'll you see uh, a uh, six-pack priced at a certain amount, you go up to the cashier and it turns out to be a different amount?
2: Uh, well, no, not necessarily that, but the product itself has an expiration date on it. Oh, okay. So so the product itself being expired, so uh, you know, like a lager that's been s- sitting on the, mo- on the uh, shelf for you know, seven, eight, nine months, like, that's not going to drink like it should anymore. Or even like an IPA that's you know, supposed to be consumed within a certain time period and it's years later still sitting on the shelf. Well, that's okay for some beers that can age certain beers need to be drank fresh and if it's not then you know it, it definitely affects the uh, outlook on the store as well as the brewery itself if you don't understand that that product isn't fresh anymore and you drink it you may think that that brewery is not doing what they're supposed to do or the beer is is bad when it really isn't
0: um, anything else you want to add that you think um, people should know about you know the the behind the scenes uh, life of a of a package store like bottlestop
1: uh, yeah, I mean, you know, for 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 I think our our stores, I can't speak to every store, but our stores for sure. I think it boils down to uh, passion, right? So, you know, here we are um, tasting some beer. I think it's an amazing uh, beverage, along with a lot of the other beverages that we sell, and it's uh, you know it's part of life. So, you know, for me, I, I wouldn't want to eat at a restaurant where the chef wasn't really passionate about food. Um, I, I wouldn't want to shop in a beer, wine, liquor store where there weren't people behind the scenes that were super passionate about the products that they're purveying. Um, For me, I don't also expect every single one of my team members to be an ace in every category of the store. How could you possibly master every malt and every type of hop available in the marketplace and all the new ones that are coming out from different parts of the world at the same time ace uh, what the mash bill is for that hot new whiskey. It's tough to do it all. So I tell my people it starts with just enjoying what it is that you're surrounded by and working through the journey.
0: My thanks to Garish and Kevin. Uh, besides the three bottle stops, they're, the owner of this chain also has the Valley Discount Wine in Ansonia and Madison Wine Exchange in Madison, Connecticut. You can follow Bottle Stop on Instagram at bottle underscore stop underscore wine. Hey, welcome to the after party. Take a seat in the beanbag chair. It's my beanbag chair, but I will let you sit in it for now. I am sipping on an H+, this wild ale, this... Cherry ale uh, that uh, Garish uh, and Kevin introduced to me. This is made by Firefly Hollow in Bristol. It does look like a rosé. It's kind of a pinkish red. It's tart, um, not as crisp as I would expect, but yeah, uh, you know, it's it, it, you know dissipates on the tongue. It's low alcohol. Uh, you really get the concentrated cherries uh, but this is this is no cough syrup. I had a trip over to Labyrinth Brewing in Manchester only the second brewery that my uh, uh, six-month-old daughter has been to uh, and it was wonderful. We went inside and drank inside which was a little bit scary Um, but it didn't feel scary there just scary for me because uh, I scare easily, but uh, wore the masks the whole time except for drinking. I had their uh, Pans West Coast IPA, and it was nice to get that, that bitterness. It was excellent. Um, I also picked up a four-pack of their Black is Beautiful collab, so I haven't tried it yet. Um, I mean, they used the, the recipe from Weathered Souls. They made it themselves, uh, 102 so I'm looking forward to a special opportunity to try that one. Hoping to get to Red Little Red Barn Brewing in uh, Winstead this weekend. Great spot. Haven't been there in way too long. I don't think I'm going to bring uh, the baby to this one. If the weather's nice, it will be nice. Uh, check out rep-am.com. For my beer snob newspaper column, this week it's my review of the book Pilsner by Tom Accatelli and American Beer History by Greg Smith. Unless they don't run it, which happens—that's that's newspapers. I uh, I once got bumped for a, an actress who died. She was about 108. I uh, I was upset at her but I let it go I let it go because you have to let these things go school starts next week so pray for the safety of our students and our teachers Uh, uh, on a uh, slightly uh, nicer note my problems with Pro Tools continue okay that's not a nicer note that's actually just as bad for me personally can't compare um, scary school uh, opening with Pro Tool problems. But I lost my uh, interview, could not recover it uh, from the craft crew, a group of three uh, young men who were expanding beer into the black and brown communities. Uh, I uh, planned to meet up with them again. They were very cool about getting the bad news about their interview. Speaking of interviews, I have one set up with podcaster and uh, Instagram uh, phenom, well, soon to be, I hope, uh, Daryl Neal. He's the man behind Beer Talk Now. So if you aren't following him on his Instagram, please do it. His IG Live interviews are great. All right, I'm going to finish this H+. I hope you have a good uh, day or evening. Until next time, sip well. <laughs>